1: Hey, it's Monique. Welcome back to the podcast, or welcome if this is your first time listening. This is the Brown Vegan Podcast, episode 193. And today we have another episode in the money series. I truly believe that if your money isn't right, it affects other parts of your life, such as wellness, how you eat, how you show up for yourself. So to me, money is a big part of wellness. And that's why I started this series. I like to have conversations with money experts and everyday people to share share how we can do this, how we can get better with our money and how we can show up for ourselves in a better way so that we can start to really live our best lives. On this episode of the show, I have Diana. She is a single mom, a money expert, and she is also the founder of Money Boss Mama. We're gonna talk about her relationship with money and how she was able to get out of crippling credit card debt, how she was able to improve her relationship with money overall, and how we can do the same thing why it's often hard for many of us to stay on track once we figure out what our income is and our debt. We're going to also explore emotional spending, how to forgive ourselves for our financial mistakes, which I think is huge. I think that's a huge step forward. We also chat about how to use the debt snowball inside hustling to pay off credit card debt, some strategies for easy budgeting, and also how to save money when your income isn't ideal, when it's lower than you would like it to be. As always, you can find all of the show notes and everything mentioned in this episode at brownvegan.com under episode 193. And also be sure to go follow Diana on Instagram. Her page is Money Boss Mama. So, yes, without further ado, let's go ahead and jump right into the conversation. How has life been for you lately?
2: You know, I've been pretty good. I want to say life has been lifing, but I think that is true for everyone. But I'm just more so right now, just focus on what I can control, right? And then I I feel a lot more at ease with that mentality.
1: Ooh, I love that. And that's good. (laughs) So what are some areas in your life that you feel like you do have control of and that you're, I guess, making improvements with and (laughs) in? Number one, the
2: biggest thing Personal development, just making sure that, you know, I'm continuing to learn, I'm not getting complacent, and that I continue to stay hungry to go after my goals. And obviously, a big part of my life is finances. So, also making sure that I am on track to hit my financial goals by just working to increase my income and just finding new ways to alter my budget with everything going on in the world.
1: Right, right. I mean, it's just been, it's been a really hard couple of years for a lot of us as far as just like the not really sure on what's happening next, kind of the unknown feeling. And I'm sure that you've had uh, clients and just like subscribers and followers probably reach out to you during the last couple of years, just trying to figure out how to get their finances together because we kind of, had to sit in some things that we probably haven't faced in a while. So have you had a lot of that?
2: Definitely. A lot of people come to me asking, you know, well, with everything going on, inflation, how do I make my budget, you know, basically recession proof? And Mm -hmm. I always just say that. We're feeling the sting now because we're forced to look at our finances. But a lot of times it's it's things that have always been there and the times have just amplified whatever has been festering. And so now we're realizing like we see people losing their jobs. We see, you know, gas and, and the cost of groceries increasing and a light bulb goes off and we're like, okay, I need to get a handle on my finances. I need to start knowing where my money is going.
1: Absolutely.
2: That's always step one for me. You have to have a list of what is going out and what is coming in. You have to be in the know. You cannot use the excuse, I don't know where my money is going. If you don't know where it's going, go find it because obviously (laughs) it's not with you, right? So that is number one for me.
1: Yep. I agree with that. I definitely want to get into all of that as far as like your favorite budgeting method, how to save money, pay off debt, all of the amazing things that you have been able to do over the last several years. But before we get into that, Diana, I need to know, how did you feel about money when you were growing up? Was it one of those things where you felt like you had enough of it? Because even as children, we think about these things. Did you feel like there was enough money or you never even thought about it?
2: So I will say... My view kind of changed. So when I was a small child, I hadn't reached adolescence just yet. I thought that like a lot of kids, money grows on trees. I didn't really give it a second thought, but I had this idea in my head that what you had indicates how much money that you have.
0: So if you have a nice
2: car, a nice house, you obviously must have a, a lot of money. And I was in a two parent household until the end of third grade. So we weren't the wealthiest, but we weren't hurting for money either. And so I did not I didn't have to face those uncomfortable feelings. So I didn't really think about it. But then after third grade, I went from a two parent household to now my my mom's a single mom. And now Mm -hmm. I see my dad, who has always been the provider, kind of like trying to find his footing and he's in this small little apartment now. And so like adolescence and teen years, it was always a lot of scarcity around money. And I noticed when going back through kind of how my behavior was with money, I was an emotional spender, still kind of am, but the second money touches my hand, It has to leave. Like it's burning a hole in my pocket, as my dad would say. Mm
0: -hmm.
2: And that came from my mom. She had went into complete shock. She has three of us. And so she went from being with a provider in the home to now she's the provider. She doesn't have a, a high level of financial literacy. She doesn't know what she's doing. And so I have memories of us leaving grocery carts full of groceries at the front of the checkout line because... The, the check wouldn't go through. And every time we were about to go get groceries or something, my mom's always like, I'm going to have to write a hot check. I'm going to have to write a hot check. And so that's ingrained oh, wow. in my memory. Like, we don't have any money. And I felt that secondhand embarrassment watching my mom, like, kind of lose it. She's turning red from embarrassment and it was one time she just couldn't hold it together. We got to the car and she's crying. So, I always felt like there was just never enough money and I always heard more money, more problems, you know? Mm-hmm.
0: So
1: it was like kind of conflicting then, because if you you didn't have enough money, but then if you had a lot of money that it didn't bring goodness to your life. Is that what you mean when you say that?
2: yeah, and so when whenever we got money, because we didn't have a lot of it, it was gone like in a few days because yeah. they would blow it on things that they felt that they wouldn't have the opportunity to do again if they waited
0: mm.
1: Yeah. So you probably ate out more during that time, mm-hmm. probably got a new pair of shoes that you that wasn't necessarily something that they could afford. Yeah, that makes sense. So how did that shape you as far as, as in your early adult years? You said you're an emotional spender, and I can definitely relate to this because I feel like I am as well. How did that shape your early adulthood then?
2: When it came to like me being about 17 and to early adulthood, I was... Eating out. So a lot of times I spend my money on food. That is a trigger for me. If I'm sad, (laughs) I want to eat. If I'm happy, I want to eat. And so I remember when I first calculated how much I was spending money on food, it was about $400. I want to say, for for just me, it was just me. (laughs) Breakfast, lunch, and dinner, about $400 a month. But at the same time, I was always wondering why I couldn't save. I would save money and take it right back out, you know, the next day or so. I was swiping credit cards at one point and not really relating my emotional spending to why I feel like I never have any money. And it wasn't until I had my daughter. Now, granted, I had her very young. I had her a month after I turned 21. And so when I had my daughter, I really didn't feel the consequences of what I was doing until I realized I had no money to take care of her. None. None. It was to a point where I didn't even have enough money to pay for her child care, which was discounted to $50. I want to say it was $50 a week. I didn't even have enough for that. I didn't have enough to buy her diapers. And it was a profound moment when I asked people, you know, hey, I finally, because I'm very prideful, asked for help. Like, I need diapers. And everyone told me, you know, oh, I don't have it. Mm-hmm. So I, had, I realized, like, this is really on me. I'm really an adult. I'm really responsible for this human being. And I will say that the blessing of that is I had to face my financial situation very early on. And I went from blowing money because it was just me to now being forced to be more mindful where my money was going.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That reality set in. And then also, it just goes to show too, like the people around you didn't have it. So It's it's not even just you. It was like a generational thing of probably. like Everybody just was struggling and trying to figure out how to make things work. So what were some of those early steps that you took to take control of your financial situation? Because you had, I know as someone who had a child young as well, I was 20 when I had my first son. You know, you don't have the job skills. You don't have the experience Mm -hmm. nor the education to get a high paying job at that age typically. And so what were some of the early steps you took in order to ensure that you can put diapers on your baby?
2: Yeah. Oh, man. So it was a journey. The first debt I ever got in was my auto loan. And I got that about two years before I got pregnant with my daughter. And I had to give a one paycheck a month. I got paid biweekly. That auto loan took a one paycheck, which made it even more difficult to take care of her. And so this led me down this rabbit hole of doing research, right? Mm-hmm. All I know is I'm hurting. All I know is I can't afford us. And all I know is I'm ready to get out of this reality. I refuse to accept that this is going to be my life. And so me and good old Google became BFFs at that time. Okay. <laughs> Love it. So Love I it. Googled ways to get rid of an auto loan or lower the payment. And then, you know, it's, you start picking out these words that you have absolutely no idea what it means. And so you Google that word and it takes you to other words. And it's, so it's opening up me to this world of personal finance. I didn't even know what an interest rate was, but here I was driving a car that I don't the, had a high interest rate. And so from there, I learned about budgeting. And so I decided to sit down one day, I grabbed a piece of notebook paper and I wrote out all of my bills. I wrote out mm-hmm. all my bills and my income. And I realized that I was spending more money than I was bringing in. So my expenses were exceeding my income. From there, I will say it's going to hurt because it's a big slap in the face. You're actually looking at it, but it allows you to see, you know, where your money leaks are and what needs to be cut back on. I basically had to whip out pretty much everything, but at least got me to about thirty dollars wiggle room after my bills and everything were paid. And then from there, it became a mindset thing. Like once you have the plan, you have to execute it and stay consistent. And I find that that is the most difficult part for a lot of people.
1: Yeah. Let's dive into that then. So, what do you th- what do you think is causing a lot of that part, the consistency? And I can relate to that as well. Like knowing the numbers, sometimes I mean, it is daunting when you look at it. and You're like, "Whoa, I'm in a situation where I, this is." I don't see how I'm going to get out of it. And you know, I think people can get really defeated around that. I know I do <laughs> get defeated when I feel like there's like, a, you know, there's not enough money. So, where do you think it comes from as far as the lack of consistency? Once you do have the information, though. I
2: find that it's a lack of confidence in oneself. Mm. From me and from talking to and working alongside other women, it's just as simple as that. It's a lack of confidence. You see this big number. You're wanting to pay it off or get to a certain point, but you're looking at where you are right now and you're like, how the heck am I going to get here? I don't have what it takes to get here. And Then the self-sabotaging thoughts start to creep in like, you might as well quit now. You've had these past decisions. You didn't make the best decisions financially. And so we use our past mistakes as justification or a reason as to why we won't be able to succeed. So it's like we have this one part of us that wants to achieve these goals, but we have our past self telling us that we can't. And so we're at like, we have this conflict between each other. And a lot of times, your past self speaks more loudly than the person who you're trying to become, because that past self has facts in their hands. Like, okay, (laughs) you did this, you did that, you did this, you haven't yet proven to me that you'll be able to do XYZ or make better decisions. So I'm going to roll with that negative voice. So it literally became this point where I had to decide that I was going to go for it whatever happened it had to lead me to a better situation than what i was in right now i literally had to forgive myself for my previous money mistakes and allow myself that space to prove to myself that i could make better decisions
1: ooh that forgiveness is like a key that's i'm so yeah. glad you said that because it it is a part that yeah, because you have to forgive yourself in order to see something better for yourself. Because like you said, we have the receipts, the previous receipts mm-hmm. saying that you're not where you need to be and you don't deserve it or any other defeating thoughts that come in our mind. So I love that forgiveness part. So what does that even look like as far as forgiving yourself? when you When you take your clients, do you take your clients through this process of forgiving themselves? Because I feel like I'm still so stuck on that. Like, I think that's yeah. an important step. What does that look like?
2: So a lot of times we have to go back from the beginning, kind of like we talked a little about my childhood and adolescence. You have to realize that your experiences and your observations growing up, they're going to shape how you spend your money right now. Your money beliefs and how you manage your money may not even be your own. And so you have to go down kind of like memory lane to separate yourself from your parents or your guardians or your cousins, because you will repeat a lot of those patterns. And when you realize that, you know, a lot of those things that you do are actually not because you want to do them. It's just become second nature. It's a lot easier to forgive yourself. So with Mm -hmm. me, when I started going through the journey of figuring out why do I feel these things about money? Why do I have this relationship that I have about money? A lot of things started to make sense that didn't make sense from my childhood. Kind of like with my my mom always, you know, having money issues but the second she got money, like it was time to spend. And seeing certain things when it came to money and how she provided for us, it formed these beliefs that, you know, I wasn't worthy of more or money is bad because there was a lot of arguing in the home with both of my parents when it came to money. And so I wanted more money, but I had this fear that money would, you know, corrupt me or cause issues. And those who live with less somehow have more integrity than others. And then I, feel that when you find where your beliefs and your habits come from, it's now more about separating yourself from those things and aligning your spending with your values that you have now.
0: Mm,
1: I love that. This is so good. This is really, really, really good. So I know that After you had your was it when you had both of your children or just when your daughter when you got into the credit card debt? Of course, I know the car loan was the first step with a high interest rate. What happened after that that led you to accumulating the credit card debt?
2: Okay, so it was when I didn't yet have my son, but I definitely racked on more after I had him. But I got into credit cards when I was trying to build my credit so that I could lower my auto loan.
1: Wow. So when you yeah, so we went it. down that Google rabbit hole, yes. all of that information was yes, girl, I know, I know this life. Go yeah. ahead. <laughs> and you
2: have to be very careful with that. And so if you're still battling with your spending triggers and things like that, and you go into these other tips that you're not ready for, it's going to put you in a worse situation. And so mm-hmm. I got one credit card, then I got another because I wanted to rack up my credit score points a lot faster. And so once I had achieved that, then I have these two credit lines open and it's looking and smelling like money. I want my oh, hair done. Yeah. I, want, I want to be able to eat out. It, was, it became me going back to, I want, I want to look like the people around me. And I still had this belief that financial success was defined by what you had and what you looked like and so yeah. that like wearing
1: us, your money wearing mm-hmm, your money yeah that
2: so many of us have and we don't even realize it we don't realize yeah. it and so i was trying to keep up and and trying to self-soothe because i wasn't satisfied with my financial situation i was feeling like you know crap i had no money and so buying these things and having a way to buy these things through a credit card it was just easily It became very accessible to access the financial success, quote unquote, that I was trying to acquire.
1: So if you've been following me for a while, you already know how much I love green juice. But sometimes I don't feel like picking up the ingredients or I don't feel like cleaning out my juicer. I know y'all can relate. So on those days, I make sure that I grab AG1 from Athletic Greens. Shout out to them for partnering with me for this episode of the show. With one simple scoop of AG1, you're absorbing 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole food source ingredients, and probiotics. It's the perfect way to start your day because it has a special blend of ingredients that supports your gut health, your nervous system, recovery, focus, energy, all of the things that we care about. And instead of taking a million different pills every day or different supplements, you just have everything you need in one simple scoop. I know you've been seeing AG1 all over the place, so I want to share with you my personal experience and why you should consider purchasing it yourself. My favorite part is the simplicity. I like that all I have to do is when I wake up in the morning, put my scoop in the shaker, put some cold water in there and some ice too, and I just shake it up for 20 seconds and then I just enjoy it that way. As far as the smell, it actually has a sweet smell to me, kind of tropical, and I will also describe that as the taste too. It's greens though, so it's not going to taste like a cinnamon roll in the morning. However, I feel like it has a pretty decent taste to it. When I drink it, it reminds me of pineapple and papaya. Right now, it's time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition. To make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash vegan. Again, that's athleticgreens.com slash vegan to take ownership over your health and to pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. As always, I'm gonna place the link for this in the show notes as well as the blog post to make it easy for you to click through. But what did you do when you accumulated? Because how much did you have when it was all said and done, when you were ready to pay it all off?
2: <sighs> let's see, I was at close to $6,000
1: mm-hmm. when you were ready to pay it all off. And so what did that method look like as far as attacking that debt?
2: So with it, by this time, I was familiar with the debt snowball. And so mm-hmm. I knew that I am an instant gratification person. I'm part of that generation. So the debt snowball for me saved my sanity. So I started with the lower lowest balance. And so I was putting most of my extra money there. Now I was only making like 32000 a year around this time. So I knew that with everything going on, I was going to need to find a way to increase my income Yeah, and I was still kind of quite living above my means. And so I discovered the world of side hustling. Once again, going through down the rabbit hole of Google. And so I was like, okay, what skill do I have right now that I'm good at that I can monetize? And I made a list of like three things I was good at and picked the one that I felt I could be most consistent with. And it was writing. And so, so, yeah, I love to write. I have my degree in writing. And so I started picking up projects or assignments from people who needed help with like, you know their essays or grant missions and things like that. And once I started building trust in those clients, they started coming back to me. So I had, you know, work that was coming back over and over again. And that gave me at least two to $400 extra a month. And by this time I had gained the discipline to apply the majority of it to my credit cards. And, you know, as one debt dwindles, You now have more money to roll into the next one. And so I was starting to build that snowball.
1: Yeah, to get into it. You know what I like about your method? You actually teach people to save and pay off debt at the same time. Mm -hmm. And I know sometimes people online, they say you should just do one and not the other because you're paying the highest interest rate. So why would you save it? So Mm -hmm. what is your thought? What are your thoughts about that?
2: So I've always been that person. I realized throughout my entire debt-free journey, I was always saving and paying off debt at the same time, especially in the beginning, because the standard emergency fund, they say to establish is, you know, $1,000. But I knew for someone like me, that's low income, your debt is really making you anxious and sick to your stomach. You want to just be impulsive and get started on it. Saying to that person that doesn't have a lot to use Wait till you get to a thousand dollars. You might as well ask them to save ten thousand dollars before they start,
1: yeah. Because that's what it feels like, absolutely, Ex-
2: exactly. That's what it feels like, and so that's discouraging. And they're just not going to do it. And so, with me, I started to save a little amount and then pay off debt at the same time. So, if debt was my main focus, I would do like 70-30, 70 70% percent of my extra money to that debt so I can get you know that debt knocked down anxiety feeling a little better and then 32 savings that way i'm still establishing an emergency fund something to fall back on just mm-hmm. in case something happens and that protects my my credit card balances or whatever i was paying off from getting ran up again
1: yeah because then you are back in the same situation that's exactly. defeating too maybe if, yeah when you have an emergency which is your favorite budgeting method these days
2: So I don't have a favorite. I'm not too fond of a lot of the budgeting methods, like the 50-20-10, I think, or
1: 50-30-something. Yeah, I don't like that one either. I don't
2: know. I'm like, it's very hard to try to squeeze your expenses and everything into those categories. My favorite thing is just making a unique budget because your financial situation is going to look completely different from the next person. So your budget's going to have to look different. And so mm-hmm. whenever you list out your expenses and your income, then I always recommend having that one specific goal and then forming your budget around that goal. So a goal-based Ooh, budget. I like that. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, depending. Oh,
1: go ahead. I'm sorry, go ahead. I got excited when you said that. Okay, <laughs> go ahead.
2: Oh no. No, that was pretty much
1: it. So what does that look like when you make your goal for the month? Is it usually, is it based on, because I know because you don't, do you have credit card debt at this moment? I feel like you don't based on what I know about you, but do you? I don't want to assume. Oh, no. No, I don't. Okay. So what what would your goal look like? Is it more of a long term that you would include in that monthly budget? What type of goal? Because I really like this. Let me hear this. So if you did
2: have credit card debt or if i if i did then if credit card paying off a specific credit card was my main focus then my budget would be formed around that credit card so based on my end date whenever i need the goal completed cuz you want it to be you know timely measurable all of that the smart goal yeah. method so depending on how much i needed to apply to this credit card to get it to my goal amount by my end date, I would then plug that into my budget and then work my budget around it. So obviously your essentials need to go in there first. We don't want you sitting in the dark from an unpaid light bill. Put your essentials in, put your goal amount in, what you need to send to that goal every month or biweekly, however you have your budget frequency. And then based on what's remaining, Then you funnel that money into, you know, your personal funds or whatever else that you want that money to go to. And that way you have the amount to hit your goal and you have your essentials taken care of.
1: Yeah, I like this. This is good. And then it's just something to focus on each month instead of making it like seem overwhelming. And it's a whole lot of different things. If you focus on that one thing each month, you'll make progress for sure. Exactly. Yeah. So what do you suggest for women to save money who are on a low income? Say, for instance, it's the same situation that you had with the debt and the low income. So what what are some suggestions that you have for them to start to save money?
2: So when it comes to a low income, I find a lot of times people have, they're going to have some type of lump sum of money at least one time in their life. So if you are someone that has the tax refunds or you get a bonus at work or, you know, a settlement check or anything, take advantage of that. Cause that is go time. Whenever that comes into your life, that played a huge role in my debt-free journey. And even my saving journey is applying at least a chunk of that extra money with, when it's tax refund time to my goals, because I, that's helping me make up for lost time. And mm-hmm. so it's like, propelling your journey further. But if you don't have access to extra sources of, you know, income or extra money coming in, I always say to start with what you have. You're not focusing on the amount. That's not really important right now. What's important is building that habit because a lot of times we start on something and then we quit. You have to calculate what is an amount that I can realistically save or and we're talking about saving, right? So what is an amount I can realistically save and leave it there? Cause a lot
1: of times that's the key. Leave and, it there <laughs> and,
2: and, and leave it there. So we tend to overshoot. I know a lot of low income people, they oversave, which sounds crazy, but you're feeling like you're behind and it's causing you to put too much money back. And so you wind up having to go back to the bank, withdraw your money out because you save too much start low. I always say start low, build that discipline, and then gradually increase your savings contribution.
1: This is really good. Yeah, I love that. So how do you feel about credit cards these days? Uh, of course that you don't have credit card debt. Do you still use them for anything in particular?
2: Yes, ma'am. So I love my cashback rewards. Okay. I love my <laughs> cashback rewards. And even when I was in credit card debt, I never viewed credit card as the enemy cuz I was very aware that it was just me. The that's a piece of plastic. It's not talking to you. It's not getting up with legs. It's how you use that credit card. And so now I use it as a way to get cashback rewards and it keeps my credit score in tip top shape. So I am now using my credit card for my personal spending. So if I want to go out mm-hmm. to eat or anything like that, then I'll use my credit card for that.
1: Mm-hmm. And then just pay it back with whatever was in your checking account. Uh, please <laughs> pay that.
2: If you can't pay it back that night, like if it has to post before you make a payment, then be sure to set up a, a, an alert to pay that thing off as soon as it posts.
1: Hmm. and i don't think they do that on purpose too don't uh, is it just me i feel like they they delay the posting because they hope you forget <laughs>
2: yeah and th- i'll be honest i've forgotten quite a few times and so i know with american express i love using them because you don't have to wait until they post you can just go in there that night whatever you spent that day pull it over from that bank account
1: and pay mm-hmm. it. that's good yeah So because I know in this space, like the financial space online, especially a lot of people focus so much on paying off debt and saving money and investing that I feel like there aren't enough conversations about how to have fun while you are on this journey too, because I think that's important. I know some people like Dave Ramsey talks about the rice and beans. You don't, you had enough fun. You don't get to have fun. But I also, we live in a real world. We want to be out, be able to enjoy it, especially after the last few years, like living in the present is so important. So you have to tell us, what areas in your life do you enjoy spending money in? Because I feel like you enjoy yourself and I love that.
2: Yeah. So I'm a foodie. I am not that girl. I don't pretty much, I don't really care for pedicures or things like that or bags. But when it comes to food, I can make it rain. So going out <laughs> and experiencing new restaurants, new food, getting up, I'll take myself on a date. Just go downtown and order like some sushi or something like that. That is something that I can spend money on all day long.
1: Mhm. what else i have to be something else come on that's really that's really it oh my god all i do is spend money food.
2: on food but i will i do love my plants so i will splurge a little on plants and my kids my kids are i call them a trigger so if i go in a store somewhere i have to leave out with something for my kids so Aww. besides that my kids and my plants i'm i'm dead serious all i want to do is eat
1: Yeah. But speaking of your kids, like what are some of the things you're going to do to ensure that they have a better relationship than with money as they grow up?
2: So with my son, he just turned 5, so he doesn't really comprehend it just yet. But mm-hmm. with my daughter, the conversation about money, it's completely open in my household. So we talk about budgeting, I help her save and set her money goals, and I will say that her financial literacy for her age is very high because I put her on the journey with me and it's not hush-hush in my home like it it normally is. You know, especially within our culture, you don't talk about money. You don't talk about how much that you've earned, and so it's not really normalized. We don't know what's normal and what's not normal, so we grow up with debt thinking that that's normal because. We don't have anyone to talk to. So my earnings and her earnings and what I'm doing with my money, I'm always strategically walking her through it, but on a nine-year-old level. And I think that that is going to help set her up because I'm now seeing the emotional and impulsive side of her. I want this and I want that. And I'm helping her to calm that down so she's not growing up to be an emotional spender.
1: hmm that is good. I love this. Speaking of like emotional spending, I know that you have the four steps of a WTF method. Yes. Tell us about that, how we can get that for free because emotional spending is big for me too. So I need to hear this. <laughs> and I'm sure other people who listen listening need to hear it too. <laughs> yes.
2: So I have a, first, let me go back and say, I have noticed like with my following, a, the majority are emotional spenders. They want to yeah. save and pay off debt. But what is the biggest roadblock is them spending money. And they can't stop spending money, even though they want to stop. They're like, I'm frustrated with myself because I can't. And so I always say with money, the the phrase, know better, do better, is very, very debatable. Because we know we should not be spending this money, but we're not going to do better.
0: <laughs> I mean, <laughs>
2: yeah, I'm... Just saying, but when in my free training, I'm walking you through the WTF method, and it's just a series of four questions that you have to ask yourself about your previous emotional purchases and the ones that you're trying to make presently. And so what's very important is to have space between your thoughts and the action, because every purchase starts with a thought. It's either I'm hungry, I'm bored, whatever else. And then that sets us off through this routine that we normally go through, and then we end up with the result of unplanned purchases. And so in between this time, it helps you to identify your spending triggers, what is kicking off this routine, so that you can go in and start redirecting your thoughts and creating new routines to go into when those triggers present themselves.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, it's important. Tell us how we can download it and also tell us how we can follow you on social media and anything, anywhere else you want to send us.
2: Yeah. So, okay. My handles are all the same. So on TikTok, Instagram, and Twitter, you can find me at Money Boss Mama. And through all of those platforms, I will have a link on my profile that will take you directly to the free training.
1: Yes. Thank you so, so much, Diana, for being on the show, sharing your story and inspiring us to not only save, but also live well and pay off our debts.
2: (laughs) Thank you for having me.
1: Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the show. If you're enjoying the podcast, be sure to rate us five stars on Apple Podcasts to make it easy for others to find us. Also, tell a friend. Be sure to share the episode on your Instagram stories and tag Brown Vegan. Thank you so much for your support
0: and I'll talk to you next week.